Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Matthew 17, we're going to look at verses 14 through 21. We're leaving Hebrews for this message, then we're going to come back to Hebrews and we'll finish the series in Hebrews. Remember, please, that um, not next Sunday, but the following will be the closing of our global impact celebration. The title of the message today is, and finding your faith is seed faith. On our recent uh, trip to Colorado with the senior class of NFC, I noticed that my wife was reading the Reader's Digest. She was on the airplane and reading the Reader's Digest. I used to read parts of the Reader's Digest, uh, military humor and (laughs) different things like that. I don't think about that little magazine very often, but it used to be that that was the only magazine that came to our house when I was a boy. My daddy ordered and liked Reader's Digest, and he kept them all. When my dad passed away, he had years of Reader's Digests. He, uh, he just kept them for some reason. Some time ago, and it's been a while, Reader's Digest told a story about a company that mailed out some special advertising postcards and uh, there was a packet of mustard seed that was glued to the the uh, postcard or in the package however it was it was it was glued and the caption was on this if you have faith as small as this mustard seed in and then it named the product regardless what the product is you are guaranteed to get excellent results and be totally satisfied. That's an interesting little spin on the biblical thing of the faith as the grain of mustard seed, and it was signed by the management. Well, a few months later, one recipient of the promotional piece wrote back to the company and said, you'll be very interested to know that I planted uh, the mustard seed you sent on your advertising card, and it has grown into a a very healthy bush uh, producing wonderful tomatoes. (laughs) You know, in life, we sometimes grow things that we didn't expect. And the reason is because we plant the wrong seeds. We don't realize what we're planting, but we're planting the wrong seeds. Last week we saw the basics of faith, how we can have life with assurance and with confidence and understanding. And today I want to show you how the seeds of faith work. Planted in the right place, the seeds of faith can yield some amazing results. Matthew 17 and verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my soul, for he is an epi- uh, on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. For he, often he falls into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I <clears throat> to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. 
Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there. And it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That is a powerful passage of Scripture, and it is a passage of Scripture that even non-Christians know about. They know that the faith of the grain of mustard seed, or is the size of a grain of mustard seed, will actually move mountains. And later on, we're going to see that there's another application that's given. Here's what we want to look at today. We're going to look at three things. The chance for faith, the charge of faith, and the change of faith. The chance the charge and the change. First of all, the chance for faith. Now, do we have a chance for faith? Does everybody have a chance for faith? Well, the whosoever will of the Bible gives all of us a chance for faith. Well, some may say, I, I believe in the sovereignty of God, which I do too. But the whosoever will does not diminish the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God does not diminish the promise of whosoever will. The sovereignty of God does not diminish the opportunity that everyone has to have a chance for faith. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, that was a general call to all who labored and were laden down with with things. Then there is this, the invitation from the book of the Revelation, Revelation 22, 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires to take the water of life without price come. It's a a work of the Holy Spirit and the church, that is the bride of Christ, to give the whosoever will message. It is our work. That is our work. My responsibility as a believer, as a preacher, my responsibility is to give the whosoever will message. My responsibility is not to save people. Your responsibility is not to be the Holy Spirit for someone. Your responsibility is the whosoever will side. It's the work of the Holy Spirit and the bride of Christ together that brings people, that is the church together. The church speaks it to the ears of those in need and the Spirit speaks it to the heart. When you read the Bible or you hear the Word of God preached, there is something or someone within you speaking words to your heart. That is the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard the, the preacher uh, make a point, and as he was preaching, he made a point that was very clear in what he was trying to make. But in your heart, while it was heard the way that the preacher gave it, <clears throat> your heart made an adjustment in it, and there was a deeper application to your own heart. Where did that come from? Well, that's the Holy Spirit of God. The pastor was preaching the message to your ears. The Holy Spirit was preaching 
the message to your heart. When we hear from the Lord like that, we understand that there's something going on, and that something going on is the Holy Spirit communicating with us. We read last week, and we're going to see again in this message, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now, the reason that faith comes by hearing is because of what I've just said. The Holy Spirit is preaching that message of faith. All of us have a chance for faith. All of us have the opportunity for the Lord to speak into our hearts and we respond to the Lord. Now, here's what it can be and should be in our lives. That is, when we have assumed or taken advantage of the chance for faith. Then faith in our lives becomes a walk. That's what faith is. It's a a walk. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Before faith is anything else in our lives, it's, it's a walk. It's, it's not a big bolt of lightning experience, although you may have a bolt of lightning experience. We should understand that the steps of faith are a walk on a, a path. It's our understanding. It's, it's the reality of our appreciation that there is a God and He is not us and we want to walk with Him and we're not telling Him to follow our path. Our about, uh, ability to live in daily confidence is found in our walk of faith. If you have a daily confidence in your life and you're a believer, it should be and most often is a result of your walk of faith. Why is that person so confident? Why is that believer so confident? Well, it should be because of their walk of faith. Now, if they are not enjoying a walk of faith, then they're following the philosophy of fake it till you make it. You've heard that. That may be what they're doing. It's just faking it until they make it. But the truth is that it's a a walk, and we should walk in faith. And here's what happens. With faith, things are different in the way that we respond to matters than without faith. For instance, without the walk of faith, every bump in the road holds the potential to be chaos. Without the walk of faith. Walking in faith makes the pandemonium of living less chaotic. If we didn't have faith, all of us have enough pandemonium in our lives to create total and utter chaos. All of us could be uh, chicken little, Uh, with the sky falling. All of us could be without the walk of faith. Now granted there are some people who are less, uh, have a less alarming uh, attitude and spirit and walk than other people do. Some people's makeup, they may have to breathe a prayer throughout the day so that they can walk in faith. There are times when I have one of my Facebook friends, a young lady that that, um, well, she's a grown woman now, but she was a young lady in school in Nashville many years ago. And I've been gone from Nashville for 22 years, so she's bound to be in her 40s. And she said, have you ever had one of those days when it seems like everything is crashing down on you? Everything is crashing down on you. And I wrote to her, I said, Greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. And you can make it, young lady. You are valuable. Now that reminder may have helped her, but the walk of faith helps to remind us of those things. Before you move mountains, you just have to learn to move your feet and not be frozen in fear. You say, well, I don't want a mountain-moving faith. I just want a forward-progress faith, all right? <clears throat> That's the walk of faith. If you're going to move a mountain, if you're going to climb a mountain, you've got to take a step toward the mountain. <clears throat> and I think that's what Romans 12, 3 says when it's talking about the, the, the measure of faith that each one is given. Some people have a, <clears throat> seems like a greater measure of faith than other people, while other people are frozen. Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, <clears throat> but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Isn't that an interesting thing? Some people who walk in faith or say that they walk in faith may look at someone else who has a lot of worries in their life and say, what is wrong with you? I don't have any problem walking in faith. Well, the problem with, with that is that there could be someone that's having a trouble walking in faith because their measure of faith may not be quite as much as somebody else. Don't you know somebody that you think it just really seems to be blessed with a lot of faith? <clears throat> Do you know somebody that, that uh, just seems like they have extraordinary faith? Well, oftentimes that's just an indication of the measure of faith that God has given them in their walk. So first of all, <clears throat> we have the walk of faith in our chance. And then secondly, the work of of faith. If we're going to walk in faith, there's a work that God has for us to do. In our text, faith had a chance to work. Verse 14, and when they came to the crowd, a man came to him kneeling before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Now, there's an unfortunate caveat about this passage of Scripture. In the King James Version, it refers to this young man not as an epileptic, but as a lunatic. If you have a King James Version Bible, it, the man said, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. And then it goes on and describes convulsive seizures or, or epilepsy. The ESV does not lead us to think that this young man was mentally imbalanced, he was only physically afflicted. Now, granted, and we're going to see in a moment that Jesus referred to it as a demon, but it was a physical affliction. He had an epilepsy. Some of our church family suffers from this very thing. Some wonderful people in this church, <clears throat> one very dear friend of many of ours, has real struggles with epilepsy, real struggles <clears throat> with seizure, and and literally one day had to be pulled from the water when he was fishing and overtaken by a seizure and went head first into the water exactly like this young man was in, in Matthew <clears throat> exactly like he was in Matthew anyway there is, <clears throat> was this need this father was raising a son who had epilepsy and the disciples of Jesus had the opportunity to meet the need now here's the point when we walk in faith occasions will arise for us to put our faith to work. 
Faith isn't one of those things that you just have. It's one of those things that you're supposed to use. It's one of those things that you are supposed to put in action. Many of you know that I've got an old car uh, that I've had for a few years now. It's a, uh, it's a 1970 Chevelle. And that's, that's really more of a having car than a using car. <clears throat> to be honest with you, that's what it is. It's more of an investment car than a, a practical car for me. And I go out once in a while and <clears throat> I'll start the engine. I may drive it around the block or down the street a little bit and bring it back just to keep the tires rotating and rotated and all that kind of thing. But, but I, I don't really have it to use. Now, could I use it if I needed to? Yes, I could. But the, the gas mileage, is, in fact, it doesn't get mileage. It gets yardage. Uh, <clears throat> it's just so bad that, that there's no sense in me trying to use that car. Now, I really like it, and it's very similar to one that Jan and I dated in when we were dating. <clears throat> but, but that's a having car. That's not a using car. You know, faith isn't a having thing. It's a using thing. It's not something that you are supposed to get and park it in your garage or park it in your life somewhere and say, oh, my goodness, I haven't started up that faith in a while. I need to go out and start that faith. And I need to move that faith around a little bit. I need to, to get all of the things loosened on the faith. Look, uh, faith gets put to work. Don't you think you would have felt <clears throat> similar to these disciples? They had a chance to work. They had a chance to deal with this man whose son had epilepsy. But to be honest with you, I don't think I would have done much better or different than them. I, you say, Pastor Ray, you don't think you could have healed uh, the guy with epilepsy? If I thought I could heal the guy with epilepsy, my friend uh, in this church would already be healed of epilepsy. I would, you know, if I could lay my hand on somebody and the epilepsy go away, then <clears throat> I would have certainly take that away from, from him. And I'm going to tell you the truth. There are other things that I would have fixed. I'd lay my hand on this double chin right here. And I'd take that hand away and that double chin. I mean, I'd go from looking like this to Clark Gable. I mean, it would be an amazing uh, thing. I I'm pretty sure that none of us would have performed much better than these disciples. Where they missed on this, and I really believe this, where they missed on this is failing to bring him to Jesus. That's where they failed. Now, could they have healed him? Probably in those miraculous days where they were given special uh, healing powers and various things, quite possibly. But I will tell you this, that which I cannot do for somebody, Jesus can always do for somebody. <clears throat> I can't heal. I can't increase your faith. I can't uh, do miraculous things in your life. But Jesus can always do miraculous things in our lives. We should never feel like that that life is without miracle because we don't have a friend who can miracleize us. We, we should believe that, that if, if we are walking in faith and have the opportunity for a work of faith, that through Jesus, faith can work. We have a chance for that. 
You have a chance to minister in faith to somebody else. The best work that we can do in our walk of faith is bringing needy people to Jesus and bringing people's needs to Jesus. That's the best work we can do. Whenever someone says to you, would you pray for, and then they'll ask you to pray for a certain thing. Look, they're not asking you to perform a miracle in their lives. They're asking you to talk to the one who they know can perform a miracle in their lives. And you should not fail in that. If you agree to pray, you should pray. And I've shared with you before how to do that. You've, you've all got smartphones. Take out your smartphone and set a reminder in prayer and make that a recurring reminder. And, and every day or every week or every two days, however you do it, let that reminder pop up for you to pray for that person. Some of you know about uh, this little thing that I, that I wear around my, my wrist sometimes. Now, this isn't because I'm such a cool guy, although I am kind of cool. <clears throat> this is a, not really, this is a, uh, a law enforcement band, and it's, it's the, the blue line uh, on, on a black background because law enforcement is the, the thin blue line that that separates and uh, that makes the difference in this world of, of evil around us. And my second son, Matthew, is a police officer. And today, Matthew is on duty uh, in South Florida. I don't see Matthew every day. I don't talk to Matthew every day. But every day that Matthew is on duty, I'll wear one of these. And Mrs. Ray, do you have yours on, Mrs. Ray? Mrs. Ray will wear one of these. And it causes us to pray for Matthew throughout the day. And we'll look down and we'll say, Lord, watch over Matthew right now. Don't know what's going on with him. Watch over him. Guide him. Take care of him. We should set ourselves reminders to pray for those people around us. The chance for faith is a, a walk and it's a work. And I'm going to tell you something else it is. It's a wait. doesn't happen immediately. Strong faith is built over periods of time as we learn the, the ways of God and become stable in our walk of faith. And that takes time. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And the caution of Scripture is in fainting. We have a tendency to faint from our faith. A lot of these things I'm going to repeat in the messages on faith because they're so important. It's important not to faint from your faith, not to quit on your faith. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The King James Version says, if we faint not. The best way to wait on your faith to get stronger is to wait in the reading of God's Word and the fellowship of God's people. Could I say this to you? Whenever you get distressed and down and really bothered and don't feel like seeing anybody, and you say, I just, I'm just down and I, I just don't feel like getting out. I don't feel like seeing anybody. I don't feel like going to church. Let me tell you the best thing for you to do is to go to church. Is to get up and go to the hearing of God's Word, and hear God's Word, and fellowship with God's people. Nothing is better for you than that in those times. Nothing is. 
because that will bolster your faith. That will help you. You'll recall from last week's message that D.L. Moody uh, found his faith uh, the way that we are told, and that is that it comes through the Bible. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Well, that's our first point, the chance for faith. If there's a seed of faith in your life, you have a chance for that faith, and faith has a chance in you. I'm trying my best to encourage this congregation and any who may be watching by television or online, I'm trying to encourage us to to find our faith again. There are a lot of saved people who've lost sight of their faith. There are a lot of born-again believers who are not walking in faith, working in faith, or waiting on faith. They've given faith no chance. Here's the second thing, the charge of faith. This series is about how to please God. Here's a good illustration of how Jesus responded to the disciples' failure to act in faith. To put it plainly, he was displeased. He was unhappy. Matthew 17, 17, and Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Boy, he told that bunch of rotten sinners, didn't he? No, he was talking to his disciples. He was talking to the ones who were closest to him, and he was displeased. It's interesting that he he called them faithless and twisted. They were his closest followers. If Jesus felt this way about the lack of faith of his closest followers, how does that make us feel about our own faith? If Jesus were responding to you today, and you were to say, Lord, I just can't do this, or I just can't do that, and I just don't feel like that I'm worthy for this, or I don't feel like that that can happen. If, if the Lord were to respond to you today, and he called it his own disciples faithless and twisted, what would he say? What would he say to you and me? Because I'm going to tell you, many of us have lost our faith. We just lost it. We haven't lost our salvation. We just somehow or another inactivated the active ingredient in salvation, which is faith. We've just lost it, and it displeases the Lord. We don't want the Lord to be displeased. We want the Lord to be pleased. And the way we please God is by walking in faith. In fact, that's what the Bible tells us to be a prerequisite for pleasing God. This is one of those courses that you have to get out of the way before you take the advanced courses, you know? You go to college and you say, I want to major in so-and-so. They say, well, all right, that's fine, but first you've got to deal with these prerequisites. And your major calls for these prerequisites. And there's English 1 and, and there's English 2, and, and then you've, you've got that prerequisite. And then the prerequisite to determine whether or not you really want to be in college is Western Civ. And uh, I've been out of college a long time, but I remember that's the course that fails the people out. Uh, Western Civ, do you really want to be in college? Take this thing with a book this thick. Take that one. Well, a prerequisite for pleasing God is to have faith. That's the prerequisite for it. Uh, It's it's the, the very first thing. Not only do we have a a chance for faith, but we're given the charge of faith, to live it, to believe it, 
to walk in it and to let it work through us. Life is a journey, and the Christian life is a journey of faith. A journey is a trip that stops along the way and detours and has uphill grades and downhill coastings, but it is a journey. Sometimes we look at life and think it's a straight line and a flat road, and it is not. There's never been one life that was a straight line and a flat road. That's why we must have faith. There are times when you are climbing the hill on the journey and you think, what is on the other side of this hill? Does it drop off as steep as it rises up? And as long as we're living, we are going somewhere. And if we take the journey of faith, it will change our lives. Here's what we're sharing this morning. We haven't even gotten to the seeds of faith yet, but we're going to get there. We're sharing today that there's a chance for faith. Everybody has a chance. You say, well, I don't really have much faith. You've got a chance for it. I don't have any faith. You've got a chance for it. And then there's the charge of faith. <clears throat> You're charged with having faith. Let's close by talking about the change of faith. Again, to our text, verse 18 now. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have a faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now we are getting to what seed faith can really do. Not only can our walk of faith make our own journey more blessed, but it can make a difference in the lives of others. Earlier I said, when we walk in faith, occasions <clears throat> will arise for us to put our faith to work. When faith goes to work, then there's the chance for effective change. When faith is really working in your life, you have that kind of a chance. Do you want your faith to make a difference in people around you? First of all, we want our faith to make a difference in, within us, but do we want our faith to make a difference in the people around us? The disciples <clears throat> did not have to heal this young man. They only needed, him to, needed to bring him to Jesus. They didn't. He just kind of seemed to show up to Jesus on his own. <clears throat> but they, all they needed to do was bring him to Jesus. Our most effective ministry is in bringing people and their needs <clears throat> to God through Jesus Christ. A lot of times throughout the years, I've been <clears throat> a pastor for a long, long time. I've been in the ministry since 1973. You know, you do the math, that's kind of puts it at what, 41 years, something like that. And <clears throat> a lot of people come to me and they'll have this problem or that problem and, and they'll ask me, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? And, and early on in my life in ministry, when I was uh, much younger, I thought I was a lot smarter than I was, and, and I'd give them these, you know, big growing and flowing answers, and, and <clears throat> had no idea whether it was true or not, or accurate or not. I just knew that it sounded good. You know, I, I had a lot, my faith was a lot like other people's faith. It was an it-seems-to-me faith. But the older I have gotten, and the more I have experienced in the ministry, the first response to someone who brings a 
need to me is, well, the Bible says. Because that's the answer. The answer is to get people to God, to get people to the Word of God, to get people to where, where their problem can be answered. This is a beautiful thing about Christianity. While God gave us the church as a vehicle for propagating the truth, He gave us all equal access to Himself. You can have an effective change in the lives of others. And they can in turn have effective change in the lives of, that they touch. And not only is it an effective change, but it is an inner change. The disciples asked why they couldn't heal the boy. And actually they wanted to know why they couldn't cast out the demon. He said, well, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure, by the way, why they called it a demon. But here's what Jesus said. Here's the reason you couldn't do this. Because of your little faith. Do you remember when you were a kid hearing you're too little? Do you remember hearing that? Oh, I remember that. You're just too little, buddy. Just too little. I was over at Bradford's house the other night, and his daddy and mom have a basketball goal out back for him, and, and uh, uh, he's shooting baskets back there. Dad moved that goal up to seven and a half feet. Bradford's shooting those baskets, and he's making them at seven and a half feet. Well, you ought to put that thing up there to 10, really see what he's got. No, he's too little. <clears throat> It'll get to 10 one day. But he's, he's too little for that right now. That's what Jesus said to them. He said, guys, I'll tell you what the problem is. You're too little. <laughs> you just, you know, you guys are just toddling around. Y'all need to grow up. You need to get stronger. You need to realize that, that you're walking with Jesus here. This is a big thing. You've you got to come into an understanding of that and strengthen your faith. Don't be so little. I would say that's the challenge to all of us. Don't be so little. Don't serve a God who's so little. Don't believe so little. You say, well, I just don't see how this could work out to that. That's the point of faith. It's the evidence of things not seen. Of course you don't see how. Of course, look, some of the greatest songs written throughout history have been written about the under, mis uh, lack of understanding as to why God would do what he did for us. Why should he love me so? Why should my Savior to Calvary go? Why should he love me so? And can it be that I should gain an entrance in my Savior's love? Died he for me, who caused his pain for me, who him to death pursued? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. All of the really great songs are written from the perspective of the awe of the greatness and goodness and bigness of God. Let's not belittle God. Our faith when it is little is to belittle God. Our God is great 
have great faith in him. Just do. We want to have the kind of faith that will allow us to do everything that we know that we ought to do and everything that we want to do. I'd like to go on the mission field, but I just think, well, look, that could be a faith thing. I'd like to raise my children in a a biblical manner. That's a faith thing. I'd like to give in faith. That's a faith. It's all a faith thing. We, We have to have that faith for the inner change. The change of faith is a, an effective change. It's an inner change. And finally, it's a powerful change. This is where the power comes in in verse 20. For I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The book of Luke said it this way. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now that, friends, is powerful change. Charles Haddon Spurgeon gave an illustration many, many years ago. You can just see by his picture that this is long before any of us live. He lived in the mid-19th century, and he once said this describing faith. It is marvelous how fine the wire may be that will carry the electric flash. We may want a cable to carry a message across the sea, but that is for the protection of the wire. The wire which actually carries the message is a slender thing. That's a lot like Jesus said when he said, if you had the faith of a little tiny grain of mustard seed. Think about it like this. It's been a long time since Spurgeon wrote these words. Today it's fiber. Think of the fiber optics and the wireless capabilities, which makes this point even more. Faith is the conductor of great things from the hand of God through your life and mine. We just have to believe that that conductor will take place. There's not a person in this room who, in your pocket, if you have a smartphone, do not believe that if you took that thing out right now, hit the home button, found the Explorer or Safari or whatever it may be, and you tap on it, it would open up and you could go immediately to the World Wide Web and you could find out who the current president of Romania is through a tiny, almost obscure, in fact, You can't see it and don't even understand how it works, but you believe that you could find out right now who the current president of Romania is because you've got faith in something that you can't even see, the Internet. Why would we not have faith in the unseen hand of God? Why could we not have faith in the power of God to change us challenge us, to direct our walk, to give us a work, and to make our way powerful. My challenge to the church and to me is that we find our faith. I pray that you are finding 
You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.